right, let's go to the Word of God to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, and uh, just a couple of verses only. Verse 13 and 14. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, notice here, first of all, the four simple steps to salvation. You heard, you believed, you trusted, and you were sealed. After you heard, after you believe, and trusted, then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The practice of sealing in those days was commonplace. Goods, possessions, even people, slaves, received a mark, branded, sealed, identified in one way or another. Even today, important legal documents, many of them have to be stamped or sealed, marked. Well, up until last year, uh, whenever we were sending the containers to the Philippines, uh, 22 40-foot containers over the years we've sent out there. And uh, the legalities you had to go through, I had to write out a, a letter, a deed of donation, and uh, with the inventory, had to take that to the church solicitor. He had to read that and agree with that, and then he had to sign it and emboss it with his uh, official stamp. Then that had to go to the Foreign Office in London, and they had to see our bona fides, if it was genuine, and if they were happy with that, then they also stamped it, and then it came back to us again. All this cost money, and then it had to be go to the Philippine Embassy in London. And uh, then you await it. How long? Dependent on who was doing it, but you await it, until you got this A4 document, official document, with a red ribbon on it and a, a literal seal uh, with that stamp of the embassy on that. And only then, only then could that be sent then by DHL to the Philippines so the other side, they could see that. And that was called the red ribbon. And if you didn't get your red ribbon, which was an actual seal, then you were not allowed to ship that, or at least you were not allowed to open it at the other side. And so seals are even to this day very important in particular documents. The Holy Spirit is God's seal upon us. It's his brand, if you will. It's his mark. It's his identification in our lives. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God is the sealer. John 6 and 27, Jesus referring to himself. He said, God the Father has set his seal upon him, but he was referring to himself. 
2 Corinthians 5 and 5. Now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. A guarantee of what? Well, we'll talk about that in a moment. And so we are the sealed. God has sealed us. After you heard, after you believed, after you trusted, then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. What is the, the sign that we are sealed? Galatians 4 and 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Son, sent forth the Spirit of His Son in your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. This is how you know that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Because now you look at God differently than you've ever did before. Now God is your heavenly Father. And now you realize that you are his son, you are his daughter, and you treat him as such, and he treats you as such, as part of his family. And so the moment we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, then our attitude and our understanding of God completely changes. Suddenly we realize and we understand who he is and who we are through him. The significance of the sealing in the case of a transaction it meant the deal is done. The issue is settled. It's closed. It's the, the seed has set the deal. You know, the, the Muslims, they say that Muhammad is the seal of the prophets. In other words, he's the last. He's the completion of all of the prophets. They believe certainly that Jesus was a prophet. There's no question they believe that. But they don't believe he's the seal of the prophets. They believe that Muhammad is the seal of the prophets. He's the end of all the prophets. He's the summation of all of them. Now, we don't believe that, of course, but that's what they believe. But that's what the seal means. And so sealing, what does it speak of? It speaks of security. First of all, security. You remember whenever Daniel, remember whenever they threw Daniel into the lion's den? In Daniel 6, 17, it says, Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the Den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel may not be changed. So once that tomb, that den, I should say, was sealed uh, with, the, with the signet ring of the king and all of his, his lords, then that meant that nobody could touch that. Whatever was going to take place beyond that stone, nobody could interfere. Nobody could change that. That was set, it was sealed to stop anybody interfering. You remember whenever Jesus, after he died on the cross and he was taken and he was put into the tomb and how the Pharisees went to Pilate and they said, we remember what this deceiver said, how that in three days he would rise again from the dead. And so lest the deception is worse now than it was at the beginning, uh, set a seal upon that tomb, set a guard and a seal upon that tomb so that his disciples can't come and steal the body away and claim that he's risen from the dead. And the pilot says, well, you've got a guard, go ahead and seal it. And so the tomb was sealed to stop any interference so that nobody could go in there and touch that. Not that it made any difference because the angel just took the stone away, didn't it? But that's what it was for. In 2 Timothy 2.19, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows who are his. Having this seal. You are sealed by God. In John's Gospel, 
chapter 10. In verse 22, Now it was at the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe me, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Nowhere as safe as in the hands of the Lord. Not one person in this world can take away your salvation. Nobody can snatch you out of his hands. You're safe in Christ's hands because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You belong to him exclusively. So the second thing is not just security, but it speaks of ownership. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Romans 8, 9, but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But we have the spirit of Christ because we're born again, therefore we know that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit has sealed our lives onto Christ. Now, sealing, I said, in the past was commonplace, but even today, there's still sealing goes on. And do you remember how that just over 70 years ago, the Nazis, how they branded and signified and identified uh, the Jews with the yellow star of David they had to wear, and they had to get tattooed. Many of them are tattooed. If anybody has ever been to the death camps in Poland, you'll see tons of video and photographs, particularly even little children with their arms bared showing their tattoos. They were numbered. And even that was only 70 odd years ago. So it still goes on to even today. Come with me please to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. It's going to happen in the future. After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel descending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Then the next few verses goes on down, mentions all the tribes, how many were sealed. In verse 9, And after these things I looked, and behold, a great 
multitude which no one could number of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to your God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Who are these 144,000? These 144,000 are going to be Jewish evangelists. These will be Jewish men who will be saved during the tribulation period and who will go out all over preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But because they are sealed, then the Antichrist cannot harm them, cannot kill them because they are sealed. Later on in Revelation chapter 14, we see a follow on from that. Then I looked and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion with him 144,000. Here's the 144,000 now who were taken up into heaven, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And so they're safe now. They're home safe. And one day, every one of us who are believers, one day will be home safe. The Lord will take us home to be with him. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters and like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the living, four living creatures and the elders. And so this great company who are safe and they are sealed now they're a singing company. They're singing and rejoicing and praising God. And no one could learn that song except 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. And so they are a select company. They've been selected. Now every believer is select by God, but these are selected in a special way in that during the tribulation, they had that particular work to do to preach the gospel in the hardest, most difficult of times where people were losing their lives. By the way, anybody who receives Christ during that time, it will probably cost them their life. So there's a lack company. These are the ones who were not defiled with women for they are virgins. So they were a sanctified company. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They are a serving company, and on it goes. And so sealing is important. You remember, of course, in the book of Revelation again, there's somebody else who was sealing, wasn't there? In chapter 13, look what it says. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth was like a mouth of a lion. That's referring to the area where the Antichrist will come from, by the way, and that ties in with Daniel chapter 7 and 8. And it says the dragon gave him his power. Who's the dragon? The dragon is Satan here. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Who's the beast? The Antichrist. This first beast is the Antichrist. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast, who is able to make war with him. 
And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority, and authority was given unto him over every tribe and tongue and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. You may wonder how is it possible that one person can have such influence worldwide and command and demand such worship. How could that happen? Well, we see even in our day how that someone out of nowhere, a, a politician rises up, or some person out of nowhere, and suddenly within a few months or within a year, suddenly they're striding the world stage. Uh, and the whole world is looking at them. And we have seen that again and again. I was watching the other night about, about Hitler uh, and the influence he had and the power he had over the German people was, was unbelievable. It really, really was. This little man with that ideology and he, he, he caused the whole nation to follow him and get behind him and was wanting world domination, although he didn't get it. And so we see the dragon is the Satan and the first beast is the Antichrist. But here's another beast. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that he even makes fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwells on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. By the way, did you notice, you notice around the world, particularly in dictatorships, how they love their image? You remember Saddam Hussein? Everywhere you went, there was an image of him. There was great statues of him all over the place. You know, if you visit any of the old Soviet Union countries, whenever we go to the Ukraine, you still see images of the Soviet leaders are still to this day. You still see them there. They love to have their image up where people could see that. And the Antichrist will be no different. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both great, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one should buy or sell except one who has the name or the mark of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. You can easily see and I think in this pandemic year especially, you can easily see how the whole world can be greatly influenced 
and fall into line with whatever diktat is given. Here we are in six weeks lockdown again. Did you ever think in your life that that would ever happen? And yet only since March, they've had it again and again, not only here, but all over the world is happening. And to buy and to sell, having to have a mark. And you can see already how the cashless society is coming in. Most of the shops now today, the big stores today, they're wanting you to use your card. Go to B&Q, they will not accept your money. They want your card. Do you think they're going to go back to money after this? I don't think so. I think the chances are they'll stick with the card. It's so handy, it's so easy. So many of us, we use our cards today because it's handy, it's easy. You don't have to have cash on you. You can just hit the thing or click or use your phone, whatever. And that's, that's easy for us. It's handy, isn't it? The trouble is, when it comes a day when that's the only way you can use it, then you're not in control of your money. Then the banks are. And then above that, the government is. And you can see that happening more and more and more. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a card or you shouldn't use you know, the click thing, but I'm saying how easy that is to fall into line. And so that you can be... If it's a totalitarian government, then they can control you through different means. And so... Ownership being sealed. The church in Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3. You know, out of the seven churches, there was only two that was commended. Five of them were rebuked. Here's the one, one of the ones that was commended, the church in Philadelphia. The other one was the church of Smyrna, the persecuted church. And to the angel, this is uh, Revelation 3, 7, and to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who are Jews and who are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole earth, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. Note this. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so we see here that the church of Philadelphia is marked, is branded, is stamped, is sealed in a special way with God's name. I'll not turn to this, but if you were to read Ezekiel 9, you'll see a man with a writer's ink horn. And he's going around and he's marking all of those who sigh and cry for the state of the city. And everyone who sighed and cried for the state of the city was marked. The writer had an ink horn and he marked them. Those who didn't cry and sigh for the state of the city, then they were slain. So they were separated by a mark. 
You are a marked man, a marked woman today, but you're marked by the seal of the Holy Spirit. The seal speaks of authority. It's a sign of authority. Remember Joseph in Genesis 41 and how that when he became the, the vice regent of all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself, and how that Pharaoh gave him beautiful clothes and gave him a chariot, a chariot where everywhere he went, people would buy before him. He would be so recognizable. But he also gave him his signet ring, the ring that sealed. So whatever orders he gave, he could seal it. And they knew that seal was a seal of Egypt, and it had to be obeyed. It was a seal of authority. Once he had that seal, he could have authority over whatever he did for the kingdom that he was in. It was the same with Mordecai. Remember Mordecai who discovered that plot of Haman to destroy all of the Jews in the whole provinces of the king and how Esther went in and saved the day and how then the king recognized Mordecai and how he gave him a position of authority to go out into all his provinces to make sure that his people would be saved. And he gave him his signet. He gave him his ring to be able to do that. It was a ring of authority. Remember when the prodigal son came back and how he was repentant and the father loved him and kissed him and hugged him and brought him back into the family and said, put a robe upon him and put sandals on his feet and kill the fatted calf but also give him the ring. Give him a ring. See, that was the family ring. So he wasn't just giving him new clothes. He wasn't just welcoming back. He was wanting to go back as a slave, but he was taking him back as a son. But he was making sure everybody knew, I am reinstating your authority. What you squandered and wasted in the, in the far country, I, now you're back. I'm giving you that authority you had in my family. I'm giving you the ring. That's what the ring was for. It was the ring of authority. You see, God, through his Holy Spirit, has given us authority in Christ to act on his behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You and I have the authority from Christ to go out and be his ambassadors and to share his good news and to try to get men to be reconciled back to God. We have the authority to do that. Heaven authorizes us to do that. We're the only ones can do it. But heaven gives us that authority because we're seated by the Holy Spirit of God. And so it speaks of authority and ownership and security. But it speaks of genuineness. You know, today you can just about buy anything fake. Anything that can be fake today. I remember when I was in the Philippines one time, those of you who know Manila, you know there's a, a place where there's a lot of fake goods sold. I mean, there's just floors and floors of it, and it's all fake. And it looks good, it looks as real as can be. I remember one time there was a set of golf clubs, and they're a very expensive make of golf clubs. I could never afford them, and I was playing golf at the time. But because they were fake, they were greatly a great price. And Claire says to me, Dad, she says, look at them clubs, she says. I mean, those things would cost an absolute fortune. But she says, look at them here, look at all the price. I says, I know, but they're fake. 
And the trouble is, if I took them home, and the first time I went to have a drive, the head of that thing would probably go farther than the ball, because <laughs> they're fake. Charlotte in one time, she, was, she, wasn't, she wasn't long there, and she went in one time to this little shop where this man was selling jeans. And so she picked out a pair of jeans, and he brought out a box with all these designer labels. He says, which label would you want me to put on for you? <laughs> you have any label you want. <laughs> in China, you know, a few years ago in China, uh, there was a, an Apple computer store, and it was all fake. Not just the equipment was fake, but the whole store was fake. Even the glass stairs, they even had a genius bar that everything you would see in the Belfast store it looked exactly the same. The trouble was, it was a complete fake. It was bogus. <laughs> you can get fake medicines, by the way. Remember a few years ago, the pound shop was selling head and shoulder shampoo, and it was all fake. Now, they didn't know. They bought it in good faith. But when people started, their heads started to swell. <laughs> and all kinds of things started to happen. <laughs> then they had to shut the whole thing down because it was all fake. But God's seal is not found in fakes. God only stamps the genuine article. Romans 8 and 9. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. He only seals those who have his spirit. They're the only ones that are sealed. In Great Britain, you can buy silver, you can buy gold, and if you do, you look for its hallmark. You know, you watch, if you watch those shows like Flog It and Antiques and, you know, all those shows where you, you see the, the dealers, they get out their little magnifying glass and they look at that ring and they're looking for that hallmark. They're wanting to see, was it, was it genuine? Was it, was it assayed in Birmingham or London or Sheffield? Or was it assayed? Where, where was it proven to be real and genuine? What car it says? Because it? it's all stamped on it. It's real. But you and I have been assayed in heaven. <laughs> heaven has assayed us. Heaven has given us the genuine, real stump upon our lives that we belong to him. We are of something of worth. We are of great value to God. The church that's purchased with the blood of Christ, that's sealed with the Holy Spirit, is the most valuable thing in the earth today. There's nothing more valuable than the church of Jesus Christ because it cost him the very blood of his son. It cost God the blood of his son to purchase us. And amazingly, and this amazes me, how that God felt that we were worth the blood of his son. He actually felt we were worth the blood of his son, that he had to give the blood of his son to save us. Why that is, I do not know, because we are so unworthy. But in God's sight, it cost him the blood of his son to save you and me. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing can be exchanged for a man's soul. In Isaiah 53, remember it says, he saw the travail of the soul and was satisfied. Not that God was satisfied that his son was hanging on a cross, bleeding and dying, suffering cruelty. What satisfied him was what would come out of that. Our salvation would come out of that. That's what satisfied the travail of his soul. And so we are genuine. We're the seal of God. 
And then the seal is, is also for likeness. The seal was made with the, with the wax, the molten wax, and the signet ring or the insignia was pressed into it, and there would be the exact likeness of that ring on that seal. That would identify the ring, identify the owner, identify the insignia, because it was the exact likeness. The likeness of Christ should be the thing that identifies us. If the likeness of Christ is not in our lives, then we, not, we seriously need to question whether we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But if you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, the likeness of Christ will be in your life. The wax had to be molten. It had to be malleable. It had to be so that the, the pressing of the seal could be made. If the wax was hard, no seal could be made. So the heart had to be softened. And that's what the Holy Spirit did to us before we get saved. He began to soften our hearts. He began to soften us to receive that seal of the Holy Spirit. We were softened because many of us had hard hearts. Hard hearts. There's people who's got the hardest of hearts and you think they never could be saved. They'll never get saved in a million years, but they do because the Holy Spirit begins to melt that hard heart. And that's sometimes what you need to pray for for your loved ones. If their hearts seem hard and, and will not receive what you're saying, sometimes you just stop saying and you start praying more and more that the Holy Spirit will soften that hard heart. And he can do that so that they can be sealed in the likeness of Christ. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthians, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the heart. Tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Paul said, in effect, you are a living letter. God has written on your heart, you're a living letter. You're a walking epistle known and read of all men. I know it's an old cliche. Men don't read their Bibles, but they read us. And it's true, isn't it? They read us. They look at us. See what our lives is like. See if we reflect the Christ that we talk about. And then finally, <clears throat> finally, the seal represents a guarantee. Paul says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. In the authorized version of the scriptures, the word guarantee is earnest. Earnest money is a down payment. Even today in, in transactions, in conveyances, sometimes that term is still used. A down payment is earnest money. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment in our lives, the promise that there's more to come. We haven't got it all. In fact, our bodies still need redeemed. Paul's we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies because our bodies are decaying every day, aren't they? I know mine is. You bend down to pick something up, you realize decay has set in. Not like what it was 10 years ago. But that's, that's 
the human body is decaying and we're waiting for the redemption of that, of the purchased possession. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. And interesting, the same Greek word for that earnest, that guarantee, the same Greek word is arabona, which means engagement ring. To this day in Greek, that's what that means, the word arabona, engagement ring. What is an engagement ring? It's a promise of better things to come. At least it should be, shouldn't it? When you put that ring on her finger, then you're making a promise of better things to come, of more love to come, of a lasting relationship to come. That's the way it should be. Humanly, it doesn't always work out that way, but it does with God. (laughs) It does with God. When the Holy Spirit seals us, it's a promise of better things to come, of a more lasting relationship that will last throughout all eternity. There's more to come. There's more to come. God has given us his grace for his glory. There's more to come. It will take all of eternity for God to show himself all that he has got for us, his people. It will take all of eternity. For all of eternity. Some say, say, would you not get bored in heaven doing the same thing every day? No, we'll not be doing the same thing every day because God is a God of infinite variety. (laughs) And he has much to show us and it'll take all eternity for him to show us what he's got to show us. And so there'll not be one moment in glory where you'll even be bored, not one second. It'll be wonderful because there's more to come. So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, which is to come Glory to God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that we are truly sealed by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to come and live within us, to empower us, to enlighten us, to demonstrate to us your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love. So help us, Lord, to be a good reflection of who you are. Help us by the Holy Spirit to be able to point men and women to Christ, to be your ambassadors. Thank you that we are truly seated by your Spirit. And help us to go out and reflect that to those around us, to members of our family, to our neighbors, to loved ones, to work colleagues, to people at school, college, university. Help us, Lord, to shine for you. We thank you, Lord, for what is to come so much ahead of us, Lord, that all eternity awaits us. So we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.